talk to you about discipleship. I'm entitling it Calculated Risk. And I'm going to tell you why discipleship is what I'm talking about tonight. So before my wife and I moved here, we um, we led a small group up. I would say a pretty successful small group. We met every Thursday night. We ate. We laughed. We had fun, much like a real family would. And um, there was a lady who was in our small group that I actually worked with when I was a teacher. And for about a year, maybe a year and a half, the Lord uh, just gave me this grace to just share him with her. I mean, she would just ask me questions and I would just give her Jesus. She would, you know, what do you think about this? And I would just give her Jesus. Well, eventually after a year or so, um, she ended up giving her life to Jesus she ended up uh, coming to our church. She ended up in our small group. But then, praise God, we left and we, we're, in, we're in Raleigh. Woohoo, praise God for that. But nobody in our small group wanted to take over and, and, and step up. It's not that we didn't ask anybody from the very beginning. Hey, you, one day you're going to take over the small group. But when it came time, nobody really wanted to. Not their fault, though. We didn't have the infrastructure as a church to really see that this small group stayed going and stayed successful and stuff like that. But now this lady, um, she's not walking with the Lord with the zeal that she once had if, if she's walking with him at all. And I truly believe, I feel like this with all my heart, that one day when I stand before Jesus, I'm going to have to give an account for my role in her spiritual walk. No, Joshua was not the senior pastor. No, Joshua was not the small group director. I was the person discipling her, and I feel like I failed. I feel like I did. My wife has talked to her since then and has, you know, shared this with her, and she assures her, no, Joshua didn't fail. But I'm telling you what I know in my heart is I could have done more. I could have done better. Therefore, I am very passionate about discipleship. You all know that you are called to be disciples and to make disciples. Yes? Talk back to me now. Yes. All right. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The calculated risk, the cost of actually being a disciple. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to go to Luke 14, verse 25. If you got your Bible or, or the Bible app or whatever you want to do. But even before I read that, let me pray. Father God, I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor, Lord God. Father God, I give you permission to do what you want to do, to say what you want to say, God, I decrease that you might increase, Father God. But I do ask that the words that you speak tonight, Father God, that they won't fall on deaf ears, Father God, but that every seed planted, God, will yield increase in the lives of the people that hear and do this word, Father God. We give you praise. We give you honor for you and for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So verse 25 in Luke 14, a large crowd was following Jesus he turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Hmm. That's heavy. Verse 27. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. 
Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. How many of you say that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? You are a disciple. But yet. In comparison, your other relationships don't measure up to your relationship with Jesus. Or how many of us would say that we are disciples, but yet we actually carry our crosses and we are following Jesus? Or how many of us would say that we're followers of Jesus Christ and we've given up everything we own? I can't even raise my hand. And I'm not going to preach to y'all tonight like I do this all and that I got to perfect. I don't. I'm preaching. I'm preaching to myself just like I'm preaching to you tonight. Amen. Here's what I want you to understand. Salvation. It is free because you confess and you believe in Jesus Christ and you've made him your Lord and Savior. There is a penalty that you will not have to pay like somebody who does not believe in Jesus. But did you know that you could be a believer and not actually a Christ follower? You got friends like that. You got family members like that. They say, I believe in Jesus. But if we judge in fruit, they're fruitless Christians or carnal Christians, if we want to use some alliteration. But either way, there's a whole lot of people who say, I know Jesus. I love Jesus. If I die today, I'm going to go to heaven. And you looking like, well, that's mind boggling because where's the fruit of it? You, you, you know what I'm trying to say? But every person is called to be a disciple and make disciples. But not every person a lot of people have not actually considered the cost. They have not calculated the risk. OK, let's go to Matthew 16, verse 24. It says, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This scripture right here is the model of what a disciple should look like. Three things. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. It's simple, right? Is it easy? It's not. So we're going to get into it. So let's talk about denying yourself. My first point tonight is deny your, to deny yourself. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one and two says, but understand this, that in the last days will come set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. I can actually just stop right there because that's just that's just the world we live in. Right. We're lovers of money and aroused by an inordinate, greedy desire for wealth. We're proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, blasphemous, scoffing, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy and profane. That sounds like America, don't it, y'all? You see, what we've done is we are we, we, we love ourselves. We love our. How many of y'all have ever been in the mall or Walmart or whatever? And you say, I ain't got no phone. And you see some some uh, girl like take like 30 selfies trying to get the right one. She like. I said in my car one time I was I was parked in some place and I was waiting for my wife to come out the grocery store. And I watched this girl in front of me just duck lips. Just I'm like, it don't even take all that. You know what I mean? Or we got to take pictures just to prove that we were someplace. Look at my great life. Look, y'all, it's a monitor and we're taking pictures because we want everybody to see what we're like. 
You see, what we've done is we've taken Christ out of culture and we've embedded ourselves into it. Church, it is our job to bring Christ back to culture. Mm, how are we going to do that? Discipleship. That's how we're going to do it. Am I right? That's how we're going to do it. You see, we're so self-centered. People only do things nowadays to be seen. Yo, let me preach. Because when I preach, everybody going to know how great I am. Let me get a solo. Because when I sing this solo, I'm going to do it like Mariah. Maybe better. Or Aretha. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it better. I'm going to do it better. But you know what that is? That's narcissism. That's what that is. Everybody wants to be seen, but nobody wants other people to see Jesus. It's, it's, it's your job to be hidden in Christ so that other people don't see you, but they see him. See, that's how I led my friend to the Lord. She said she's out of her own. I'm not talking about myself. I'm not pumping myself up. She said, man, there's something about you. And I don't know what it is. And I say it's Jesus because that was my answer for everything. And, and, and it's Jesus. But you see, if we can't get the attention off ourselves and not put it on other people and not put it on the kingdom of God, not put it on what God wants us to do. We're going to miss our purpose in the earth, y'all. We are going to miss our purpose. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to consider this. What is something you give a lot of time, a lot of energy to? What is a dream you have? What's an ambition you have? Maybe it's to start a business. Maybe it's to one day own a certain car or to live in a certain neighborhood. Like, what's that thing that you are aspiring to do and to be and to get and to achieve? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with what it is you're thinking. And then here's the question. Are you willing to give it up? That's what it means to deny yourself. Are you willing to lay it down and give it up? Like, I, want, like, I used to want to be a singer, and, and I am a singer, but, like, travel the world, sing. You know what I mean? And then one day I just realized, you know what? Bro, you ain't even got the grace for it. Your wife ain't going to let you know it. Give it up. So I gave it up for Jesus and, and my wife. But listen, but listen, I was willing to do it. And I'm not willing to pick it up because I don't want anybody to miss Jesus because I'm showing them me and not him. Deny yourself. I love the way Francis Chan says it. He says, get over yourself. You're not that you you're not all that in a bag of chips. Jesus is. Apart from him, apart from his presence, you are nothing. Have nothing. We can do nothing. So why we think we can? You can't. Show him Jesus. Show him Jesus. Show him Jesus. Look, y'all, y'all know about Abraham and Isaac. And Genesis chapter, I'm not going to go to it because it's, it's a long story. But God promised Abraham that he would be, um, he would make him a great nation. He's going to bless those that bless him. He's going to curse those that curse him. And in him, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's Genesis 12, 3. That's what he promised him. And then he made him wait 25 years. And that was when Isaac was born. And he says, I want you to get up, go to this region in Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice your son. And you know what Abraham did? He got up and went, and he did it. He got up and he went, and he did it. And what blows my mind about the whole thing is that Isaac was the deposit for his promise, for Abraham's promise. He was the first fruits of the promise that God had given Abraham, but Abraham trusted in the Lord. You got to get this. See, he was more so trying to obey and pursue Jesus and not the promise that God gave him. And that's what it is for a lot of us. 
The Lord says, I'm going to do this through you. I'm going to do. And then you spend your whole life trying to line up to get in, in position for. No, no. Just pursue Jesus. Just pursue Jesus. That's all you got to do. He didn't pursue his wife to get permission. He didn't talk to the servant. He didn't talk to Isaac. He didn't reason with God about the promise. He just said, OK, Lord. And see, there's this idea. Everybody, somebody say stolen throne. Stolen see, God wants to see if Isaac had stolen his throne. He hadn't. Abraham did not put Isaac on the throne of his heart. Jesus was there. And see, a lot of times what we do, we, we don't deny ourselves and we put whatever, our spouse on that throne. We put our ambitions on that throne. We put ourselves on that throne because I'm so great and what I got going for me is great. Get over yourself. Deny yourself. Don't pursue the promise. Pursue Jesus. You got to trust God enough that you that you'll pursue him. The Bible says, Proverbs three, five, six, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Acknowledge him in all your ways. I think we all struggle with this in all my ways. Lord, where do you want me to part? Lord, where do you put the chicken at in this aisle? Lord, what do you want me to say to this person? Lord, who got the best gas? Where do I need to go get this gas? Lord, where can, where can I get my car fixed? Lord, what, like, where do you want me to do today? Lord, where, where can I go to? What can I do to please you today, Lord? No, no. See, that's what it means to acknowledge him in all your ways. A lot of us, who do we acknowledge? Ask Facebook. Where can one go to get a good quote on furniture? Ask Facebook. You see what I'm saying? Or, or, or we ask somebody, look, if you married, yeah, bring your, your, your spouse into it. But hey, acknowledge God in it. See, a lot of times we have our own plans and we have our own agendas and then we say, God bless it. But if you just do what he tells you to do, it's already blessed. And that's how we miss God. Deny yourself. OK, get him involved in every area of life. God is concerned about the big areas as well as the small areas. And it's for your benefit that you deny yourself. Let me say that it's not just for his. It's for yours. Let's go to point number two, which was to take up your cross. See what Jesus did on the cross. It brought salvation. That's what it did. But did you know every disciple has to carry the cross? See, the call to salvation is come unto me. Let's put it like that. Come unto me. That's salvation. The call to discipleship is come after me. Pick up your cross and come after me. And the literal Greek word for cross is just Roman cross. There's nothing special about it. But figuratively, what it means is the cross is associated with uh, pain, suffering, uh, humiliation, any other adjectives I can throw out? Church, come on, scholars. No, that's that's what it that's what it means. The cross. And if you're going to carry your cross, you might come into some pain, some humiliation, some suffering. But I love this about the Apostle Paul. He says, "Man, I glory in my infirmities." You see, like, so let's go back to the self thing. A lot of people want to be seen. They want to be leaders. Well, you're all called to be leaders. So whether you feel like you are or not. Get over that language. That's tomato, tomato. You are a leader. But see, you got a lot of people who are jumping at the chance to be a leader. But see, the Apostle Paul says, look, it's a noble thing for you to want to be a leader. It's a noble thing. You, you want to know why? Because in the early church, if you say I'm going to be a leader, you automatically had a target on your back. You are definitely going to be persecuted. You are definitely going to suffer. You are definitely going to wonder if you're going to make it through the end of the day. 
but they glory. Look, it's been said that Peter said, look, I'm not even worthy to be crucified in the same manner as my Lord. Do it upside down. Do it upside down. There was there was this time where the apostle Paul said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And this other cat, I don't I can't remember his name, but he took Paul's belt off of him and he tied himself. And he says, look, the man who goes to Jerusalem is going to be bound like this belt. And Paul said, look, look, I'm willing to be bound and if necessary, die. And he went to Jerusalem, went to worship. They dragged him out the temple and caused a riot, y'all. A riot. Everywhere Paul went. It was what, David, a revival or a riot? That's what, when's the last time you called a riot, caused a riot? Or when's the last time you went to the store and caused revival? It's been a while. It's been a while. Look, man, take up your cross and just know if you count up the cost, persecution is going to come. If the enemy ain't trying to bring you down, you ain't doing something right. So if everything is good all the time and it's been good since you've been saved, Ooh, ooh. You ain't got no war stories to trade. Yeah, you might need to, You might need to get busy about 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 your father's business. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Am I, right? Am I right? okay? Uh, that was just me. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse nine and ten. He says, "But he said to me, My grace, my favor, and loving kindness and mercy is enough for you, sufficient." against any danger and enables you to bear the trouble manfully for my strength and power are made perfect, fulfilled and completed and show themselves most effective in your weakness. Therefore, I will all the more gladly glory in my weaknesses and infirmities that the strength and power of Christ, the Messiah may rest. Yes, may pitch a tent over and dwell upon me. So for the sake of Christ, I am well pleased and take pleasure in infirmities, insults, hardships, persecutions, perplexities and distresses. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am truly strong, able, powerful in divine strength. Look, you might say, I can't be a disciple maker. I don't have what it takes. I ain't been walking with the Lord that long. Check this out. When you're weak, he's strong. On your strongest days, you are still weaker than God on his weakest days. If that were to be a thing, you are going to be fully possessed by the power and the anointing and the glory of God. The moment you just take pleasure in your infirmities. He's not looking for the most intellectual person. He's not looking for the most skilled person. He's not looking for the person who has a large vocabulary. He will skip over 500 people to get to an unqualified person on paper and he will equip them and he will make you qualified to do it. That's what God does. That's what. Look, I don't even want to be strong. You know what I want to be? I want to be a worm. Insignificant, small Worm, don't hey, don't let worms. They put holes and stuff, and they go through and they come out on the other side. That's what worms do. They, be a worm, be a worm. <laughs> Listen, but see, I don't want to be this big, proud, arrogant man because God can't use me. He can't use you because he got to wrestle with your ego. He ain't got time for all. Well, he lives outside of time, so he's sure he can make time, but he don't want to. He don't want to wrestle with your ego. For what? He can come and he can use this humble person here. Amen. He can go over there and use this humble person and he can shake the nations. Even with the, isn't that what they said about the disciples? They said these men are unlearned, but I can tell they've been with Jesus. Come on, somebody. Shoot. Preaching to myself in here. 
Mm. Listen, the cross, we're talking about the cross. Yeah, it represents pain and, and suffering and humiliation, but it also represents God's infinite love. You carrying your cross, what do you think that represents? Your love for him. Now, how do we measure your love or somebody's love for him? We can measure it only pretty much by obedience. So here's an example. I love my son and I tell him, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. He says, Dad, here is my T-ball schedule. We got 10 games this season. And I said, I love you. I'm going to make every one of them. I love you. I love you. I love you. I make every one. Now, if I don't make any of those games, do you think me saying I love you means a hill of beans to my son? No, because actions speak louder than words. So here's what happened. We said, I love you, Lord, with all my heart. God, where you send me, I'll go. Where you tell me to, to say, I'll say it, Lord. And he says, do this, say that, and you going somewhere else about your business. You don't obey. We don't obey. He says, if you hear my words, obey. Look, John 14, chapter 21, he says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. So if you say I love the Lord, keep your word, keep his words. If you don't keep your words, you're saying to Jesus, to God, I don't love you. That's what you're saying. So I don't care how many times you say, I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you, Lord. And you ain't obeyed him. No, it, it, no you don't. You don't. That's what the Bible said. His words, not mine. You don't love him. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't, you don't. It's funny to me because I know a whole lot of people who say they love him. And you're just like, you, you don't love him. And you, you got friends like that, too. You don't love him. You don't love him. You don't love him. So, so what, essentially what's happening is if I can prove my love to God by keeping his word. And when I do that, the reward is he will manifest himself to me. If, see, if, you, if you're not experiencing the hand of God in your life, the manifestation of his love and his grace and his favor, you got to look, look, am I actually obeying the word of God? God said in the book of Isaiah, he says, look, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's what you're saying. I love you, Lord, and you ain't doing nothing. Well, you, your heart's way over there. Your heart's way over there. Way over there. What does the Bible say? Uh, where your heart is or where your treasure is is where your heart is? What's stolen throne? There it is right there. You treasure something else. Let's get to the third. Man, I'm going through this fast than I thought I would. Let's go to the, to the, to the third point, which is follow me. We're going to get out here early tonight, maybe. We'll see. Follow me. When, when he says follow me, what he's actually saying is pattern yourself after me. Do what I do. Simon says, do, like, do, do what I do. I'm going to read this quote to you by Francis Chan from this book called uh, Multiply. And it's also in this uh, devotional, Disciples Making Disciples with Francis Chan. His quote says, yet somehow many have come to believe that a person can be a Christian without being like Christ, a follower who doesn't follow. How does that make any sense? Many people in the church have decided to take on the name of Christ and nothing else. This would be like Jesus walking up to those first disciples and saying, hey, would you guys mind identifying yourselves with me in some way? Don't worry. I don't actually care if you do anything. 
I do or change your lifestyle at all. I'm just looking for people who are willing to say they believe in me and call themselves Christians. Seriously? Like, that's, if you're not following him, it's like you just saying, I'm a Christian. Like I said, uh, uh, an unfruitful Christian. That's exactly what he's describing there. See, like, discipleship, y'all, is intentional and it's a daily occurrence. Picking up your cross, it's intentional, and it's a daily, it's a moment-by-moment moment occurrence. It's, you know, denying yourself, it's intentional, it's done daily, it's a moment-by-moment moment thing. You don't just wake up, I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord, and just be able to deny yourself. Because the first thing you do in the morning, most of us, you do something for yourself. Get some coffee, I do. I can get some coffee, I can do something for myself before I go pray. I do it for myself. Deny yourself, Joshua, I'm going to remember that tomorrow morning. Listen. <laughs> Listen, listen, but you got to pattern yourself after me. And, 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 and essentially one plus two equals three. If you can deny yourself, if you can take up your cross, then essentially that is you following him because those things will equal you following him. Does that make sense? Okay. So listen, there's one thing that every person must do, a have, excuse me, to be a successful Christ follower or disciple. And that thing you must have is Desire. Please say desire. desire. Psalm 27 verse 4 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And then Psalm 37 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So if you want to know more of Jesus, you have to have a desire for Jesus. Does that make sense? I can't say, you know, I can't say I want to be able to pray for an hour, but I don't first have the desire to pray for an hour. But the more I try to pray for an hour, the more my obedience in doing it, the Lord will increase my capacity to actually pray for an hour. Does that, does that make sense? Um, I can say I want more of Jesus. Um, and the strategy for more of Jesus, in case you did not know, this is the message of this house. All the time. I don't care what the title is. The message is always this. Get more of Jesus. Prayer, the word of God, and his presence. People say, oh, I want more of God. I want more of God. Well, you got to look at your schedule. How much time are you spending in those three years with prayer, the word of God, and, and with, the, with the presence of God? But see, what happens, it's like being with the Lord, it's, um, it's quite different than how it is with natural food. See, with natural food, uh, you have a taste or something. You eat it and you're no longer hungry for it. After that, you just keep eating. You're just putting on weight and you're just being gluttonous. But with Jesus, once you taste of it, yet yeah, true, you'll never taste for anything, want or desire anything else. That's true. That's scriptural. But the more you partake of Jesus and his word and his, and his presence and through prayer, the weird thing is, is the more you're hungry for him, though. What a conundrum. So the more of Jesus I, I partake of, the greater my capacity is to spend time with him. You, you see what I'm saying? We're talking about denying yourself and we're talking about following him. You can't follow somebody you don't know what they look like. You can't follow somebody and you don't know what they sound like. Some of us know, we know what Alexis sounds like and we know what uh, Siri sounds like more so than we do Holy Spirit talking to us because we spend more time with those, with those things. You know what I'm saying? Like we... You hear Oprah, you, you get a car, you get a car, you, you in the other room, you're like, oh, that's Oprah. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all who watch Wendy Williams, you in the other room, you hear, how you doing? You're like, oh, that's Wendy Williams. 
You see what I'm saying? Like it, you in the other room, you hear Jerry, Jerry. You're like, somebody watching Jerry Springer. I don't watch those things. I'm saved. I really am. I don't watch those things. I might come to your house and you might watch them and I might partake with you. But listen, 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 listen. If you want to know the voice of God, if you want to know when he's talking to you, you got to be able to discern what he sounds like. You see, God is a spirit. Check me out. God is a spirit. So if he's going to speak, if this spirit is going to speak to you through your spirit and you're open up to it, this might throw you for a loop. Then you're also open. Your spirit is also open for other type of things to speak to your spirit. Does that make sense? I read this Kenneth Hagin book one time and um, he, this lady kept hearing her pastor, her pastor say, um, you know, I heard God say, or God told me God. And so this person just thought audible voice, audible voice, audible voice. And so she's like, Lord, I want to hear from you these voices. And y'all know the enemy comes to still kill and destroy. He's a deceiver. So she started hearing voices, but they want the Lord, y'all. They want the Lord. She was wrapped up in all sorts of bondage. But she didn't spend enough time in the word of God to be able to discern. That's what I'm getting at. So, yeah, you got to be in the word of God so you know what it sounds like. People tell you stuff all the time. They be like, look, and, and, and third Joshua, verse one, two, cleanliness is next to godliness. And you like, amen. Amen. That ain't in the Bible. <laughs> Y'all, who thought that was in the Bible? You thought it was in the Bible? That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. But if you read the Bible, you'll see it's not in the Bible. That's what I'm saying. Listen, let me get back to desire. Look. If you desire Jesus, you'll have him. You'll have him. You'll have him. Now, let me say this. You don't desire Jesus for something else. You don't use Jesus as a means to an end. See, a lot of times people say, you know what? Like, let's just say, um, as, like I'm preparing for this sermon. Let's just say I get with God just so I can get a sermon for tonight. Or I get with God just so I can have the anointing when I sing on a Sunday morning. No. Or I get with God just so he can come through and pay my bills. There's a word for that that the world uses. The first word is gold. And there's a second half to it. And I'm not going to say that out loud. But that's what that is. You're using God for something else. God wants you to have him. And if you understand the word of God, if you have him, you got everything, man. You got an abundance of it. You have provision. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Let me go back to lay down your dreams and your ambitions and your desire. You see, if you're in Jesus, you win. So it doesn't matter if you give up your dream job. It doesn't matter if you don't move where you want to move. It doesn't matter if you don't get to have what you want to have right now, because if you come over here and you get with God, you're going to get better. You're going to get more. You're going to get it in abundance until it'll see if he try the Lord and see if he will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so that you won't have room enough to receive. Come on, man. In good measure. Press down. Shake together. Running up. Y'all better know your Bible. Come on, man. Know your Bible. Listen, but people who desire things, Oh, they crave after things. Notice they have a behavior that accompanies it. So if I were pregnant and I'm not pregnant, we're not pregnant. No. Listen, if I were pregnant, I might have a desire or craving for food. I want some oodles and noodles and some pickles, you know, but my behavior would a, you know, I might ask somebody to go give me some pickle and I'm going to eat it. If I were a very proud parent, the behavior would be I would always talk about my kids. If I were a Carolina Panthers sports fanatic, then I would watch the Panthers play. I can't say that I'm a sports or a Carolina 
uh, <laughs> Panthers fan and I don't watch a game. I can't say I'm on this weight loss journey and you don't hear me say nothing about diet and exercise. You, you see what I'm saying? Like you have the behavior that uh, uh, accompanies it. And let me say this. Let me put some of y'all at ease. It's a daily thing. And sometimes you go miss the mark. The very ones who walked with Jesus, they missed the mark. OK, so let me free you up. There's grace. He loves you. He knows your heart. There's, there's grace for it. But see, I want you to get to the point where you're not living your life from the wrong side of the cross. You see, if from this side of the cross, the saving portion of the cross, yeah, you're covered by the blood. You're redeemed. You're the righteousness of God. Glory, hallelujah. And that's where all the disciples were. But when the persecution came and he got grabbed out of, you know, he was going to Gethsemane, them jokers couldn't pray. As soon as they came, Peter might have cut somebody's ear off. But after that, they were dispersed. Jesus rose three days later. Won't none of them jokers at the tomb. And he told them. He told them. They knew. They were scattered. They weren't there. There were some women there, though. Oh, come on, ladies. Yeah, y'all, yeah, y'all repping. Y'all repping. But they, but they were not there. Now, granted, they don't have, they didn't, they didn't have 66 books like we have. They don't have all the resources we have. So uh, I'm glad I just didn't live back then because I don't, I don't know if I would have been on the right side. I, I, just, I just really don't. You probably wouldn't have either because it was illegal for them to believe what they were believing. For the, it was her, right? It was heresy for them to spread what they were spreading. So, yeah, but what I'm saying is when it got hard, when humiliation came, when suffering came, when pain came, like they weren't there. They were scattered, scared, scared to death. Just scared. So you're, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. But you got a purpose in your heart because now you're, you're, you're responsible for this word you're hearing. You got a purpose in your heart to follow after God. And listen, listen, listen. I'm not I'm not mad, but I want to say this. Follow after God with everything you have. This Bible. This word is everlasting life. There is nothing higher than this. Jesus is his word. There's nothing more important than this word of God. So I'm not, not that anybody's doing this for me right now, but like when the word of God is being taught, why are you not giving your attention to the word of God? You know, we're about to give an altar call or whatever. Or we wrapping up. Why are you running to get your kids? I ain't but, but a few kids down there to get out of the parking lot. This you go to the movies and you sit all the way through that joint. And look, and even after the credits, because you want to see if there's a surprise ending. <laughs> but the moment pastors say, hey, give me a few more minutes, you like, he, he, this joker. But look, this is the word of God, man. Since when have we lost our respect for God and for his word and for his truth? The Avengers ain't save you. They ain't even real. <laughs> they can't save you. But you stay for that whole thing. Yeah, I'm the, yeah. He, Tony Stark ain't coming for you, okay? He's not coming for you. He's not coming for you. We, we, I, I don't know. I mean, and, and we all do it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'll be sitting on that front row, and some of the things I see after being here second side, so my mind gets to run. I'll be like, look what they got on over there, or what they talking about. I'm, it's me too. It's me too. But we got a purpose in our heart, y'all, man. This is the word of God. And if we don't treat the word of God like it is something, then neither will the world then neither will the world. We're so, I feel like we grieve God. Now, 
keep in mind, when I, my schedule is different than most people. I'm here early. My wife get our kids here. If you, get, if you pretty much getting the kids together all by yourself to get here in church, there's grace. If you run into traffic, look, there's grace. God knows your heart. But some of us, man, we just make up in our mind. We just going to be late. Like it's about you. Worship should be over and you coming in like, sit down somewhere. People are in worship and you come in and grabbing her arm, talking to them like, man, you see the game last night. Shut up. Have some respect for the word of God. We are disciples of Christ. We have to take it seriously. Am I right? We in here. I mean, look, man, I understand. I understand when your jam comes on. I understand. We out we at the church picnic. I understand. Let your slide come on. Cha cha slide. Y'all, y'all, y'all win it. Y'all win it. But we in here and you don't know the words and you like, I can't even lift my hands. I can't. I, I can't. It's, it's more comfortable for me to not worship the Lord. I'm just going to do this. It's more comfortable for me to just sit down. It's more comfortable for me to scroll on Facebook while worship's going on. Joshua ain't that good. I know I'm not that good, but he's worthy to be praised. Amen. And we got to act like it, y'all. We have to act like it. See, we cannot bring the world into here. We got to get all of this. All of this in here, and we got to take it out there. You come in here to get equipped, to get disciple, and you're going to go out there, and you're going to get you somebody else. You say, come here, girl. Come here, boy. I'm going to disciple you. We got, look, we got to do better. Not just us, the body of Christ, man. We got to do better. We got to do better. Look, sorry I don't sing like they sing at Bethel. Sorry we, we don't play like they do at Elevation. I'm not Israel Houghton. I'm not. Mitch Horton, that ain't T.D. Jakes. <laughs> Move to Texas. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're here. And when you come in into any church, you are giving yourself, you are giving the leadership of the house permission to speak. This is the word of God. This is Jesus. This is the word. We believe, at this church, we believe everything in it. Even down to what it talks about authority and leadership. What it talks. Look. I don't even know why I'm saying all this, Father. Okay, look. I'm okay, Mira. This Bible, if you have an odd against somebody, get it right. We sitting in here offended at people. I'm going to step down from serving because I might like my idea. The idea might not have been that great, and it might have been the greatest thing. But whoever's in that leadership position, they got to give an account to God one day. If you were smart, you would just pray for them. Because the Bible says pray for those who have authority over us. It's heavy here. I done messed it all up for y'all, didn't I? I don't mean to mess it all up for you. I just got to be obedient to what the Lord is speaking to me. Look, y'all, we are called to be disciples. We are called to make disciples. And if we don't treat that... That, 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 that call seriously, it won't happen. We say, I don't, I don't know how to disciple because, you know, I do this for a living. I do that for a living. Look, strategize with the Lord in prayer and in the word. And then the person who should be discipling you, strategize with them. And, man, get a plan together. Go show this world Jesus. Amen. We owe the church. We owe this world an encounter with Jesus. But we can't deny ourselves. Our crosses are too heavy. It's too much of a burden for me to follow Jesus. I think a lot of us are going to get to heaven one day. And this is, just, this is from 
This is the Joshua International Version. But I think we're going to get, a lot of us going to get to heaven one day. And he's going to say, hey, man, where's all the souls that you're supposed to save? And you're going to say, well, I, I couldn't do it because I was busy doing my own thing. And the angels are going to be in the background laughing at you like, this dude. This dude. Because I think we all get to heaven. I think we all going to probably have made it in by the skin of our teeth. But we all going to wish we would have shared Jesus at least with one more person. Would have prayed a little bit longer. Would have discipled a few more people. But don't wait till you get to that point to have those regrets. We can do that now. So I'm going to end with these four questions. Number one, then literally, you need to ask yourself these questions. Who is discipling me? Who's discipling you? What's their name? If you don't have a name, then no one's discipling you. Get a get a somebody to disciple you. And then, if you are being discipled, how well are you doing with being discipled? So the person discipling you, they giving you some instructions, some feedback on your life, and you can't. You know, you're not interested in meeting with them and all that stuff. Yeah, how well are you doing with that? And then here's the other question: Who are you discipling? Again, that's a name. That's an actual name. Who am, who is Joshua actually discipling? And then how well am I doing with discipling that person? That's the only way, unless y'all start, unless we start just having a whole bunch of kids, that's the only way we're going to explain, expand the kingdom of God is by discipleship. Am I right? Amen. Unity and discipleship. That's the way we're going to do it.